you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Venture. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Mads. Good to be here. It's fantastic to have you on, and I'm looking forward to today's conversation because, as usual, we're going to talk about my favorite topic in the whole world, which is management. Uh, and like, <laughs> of course. like myself, you have a lot of good management background and so on. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we get around to. So. Likewise. All right. Let's jump into it. Excellent. So just before we kick off, would you mind giving the audience a little bit of introduction to who you are and how you ended up where you are right now? Certainly. So Andrew Venture, as we discussed, I spent about 20 years in a corporate uh, role, corporate roles, I should say, in both New Zealand and Australia in major infrastructure projects. So I designed and built power stations, bridges, roads, gas pipelines, and other related infrastructure. Um, so yeah, 20 years, my last project there, I was managing a team of 60 project staff across five different time zones and three countries, while also managing my own direct report team of 20 people in two different sides of the country. So I had a bit of experience there with managing teams and getting things done, remote work for, remote work for, work, <laughs> remote workforces and the like. And then I, I got into feet and decided to jump into digital nomad type work. So I spent the last eight years, in fact, being a nomad, um, living in Thailand, Vietnam, parts of Europe, and most recently in Mexico, doing various different things. And in the last 12 months, I've gone back to my roots and are now doing um, consulting, operations consulting. So I've tried various things. I've done a bit of Amazon FBA. I've done a website design. I ran a branding agency with a partner at one stage. And now I'm looking to help yeah, small to medium-sized businesses scale up using systems and techniques. Fantastic, fantastic. So I, I think one of the things that I'd like to talk about a little bit today is uh, around sort of financial delegation. Um, mm -hmm. Delegation is obviously a hot topic, and we've talked about that a lot here on the, on the podcast, but uh, financial delegation is something that, uh, that you and I have talked a bit about. So I'd love to sort of touch a little bit on that from your point of view and and how you like going around that and so on, just to see cool. how we can help people with that a little bit. Absolutely. So what I see, Mads, is a lot of smaller business owners. And when I say small, I'm talking about in terms of team numbers, not necessarily turnover. But some smaller business owners really struggle with letting go of the reins, uh, both staff delegation and financial delegation. And the key, that the financial questions that come up people that raise me that saying, well, what, what happens, you know, how do I give, for example, my VA or my number two or an even ops manager um, access to the credit card? Do I give them access to the bank accounts? And how do I sort of um, keep control of what they're doing? So in a nutshell, what I like to do and what I recommend is giving people a limited financial delegation to start with. So just using a simple example, you have say maybe a, a customer support manager and you want them to give them some authority to return funds to customers to you know refund unhappy customers maybe give them a small amount of money as a as a staying bonus what you can do is start off small and say look for 100 bucks you don't need any approval at all 
So a customer support manager might have a $100 approval upfront and they can spend it as they wish and no comeback. Um, and you can even take finer grain control, particularly if you're just letting go and using, for example, a virtual credit card. And a virtual credit card, you can put on a limit, a spend limit, dollars per month, dollars per transaction. And that can be real, if you're really nervous about that, that can be quite a good thing. But just like staffing delegation, financial delegation is done in the steps and you wanna retain accountability while giving away some autonomy. So what I suggest is that people come to you, say for example, $100, it could be $500, is that whatever the amount is, you give them authority to spend that money without any approval. But every week or every month, you ask them to say, how many times did you exercise this authority? And what was it? And typically, why did you do it? So it's not, you're not asking for approval at the time, but you wanna look back and go, oh, you should, one person might've exercised it you know, 100 times, and one person exercised it four times. And you go, wait a second, what's, what's the difference here? Is there, is there a gap? And then for bigger amounts, you want to encourage your staff to act autonomously. So you want, or what I suggest, I should say, is for you to ask your staff to say, if you, they wanna spend some money, they wanna buy some software, they wanna do this, they wanna, whatever the amount is, they come to you with reasons why that's a good amount of money to spend, and then you approve it or not. So basically starting off small, giving it a, a clear amount, a clear dollar amount, and potentially a virtual credit card to really you know, have control of that, that's a stepping stone. As trust is built over time, then that amount goes up, and then hopefully within a year, for certain certain roles, you can take that the cap off and you just trust the staff. But you're always keeping them accountable. And what I like to say is my three favorite words: trust, but verify. So you trust the staff to do the right thing, but every progress report you have with them, you ask them to verify. You verify it, and you ask them to justify or explain, like how many times they've used the delegation and why they used it, and are they happy about it basically. So you just keep an eye on things. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, I think what, I, I definitely see the same thing. I, I think a lot of the time there have been a lot of also access challenges and so on, you know, so people have been using all these like PayPal and all these different sort of tools. And uh, luckily many of them now have opened up to actually give multiple layers of access and so on. Uh, yeah. which have been super helpful. I mean, I, I've, I've been using TransferWise or WISE for, for many years and and they've always been amazing. But uh, one of the things that was a struggle early on was actually access, right? Because, you know, if, if it requires two-factor authentication to log in and you're the only one with the two-factor, then that makes things more complex, right? But luckily, more yeah. and more of those systems are opening up. So. Absolutely. And what can be actually useful for that for larger amounts using wise as an example in the two-factor authentication is that if someone wants to spend that some amount of money you can still retain that to, to tfa type approval and like when they spend it they ring you and say look i'm about to spend this money and then you still have the ultimate control by saying yes here's the here's the code like for small amounts that's that's overkill yeah. but if you if you just want to keep a tab on the bigger amounts and don't want to do all the work then someone else can still do the work and they can enter the details into the forms and then they just ring you or message you and say, look, you need to approve this. It's coming through on your phone and you get the message, just go tick. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, like systems generally are getting better at it. Uh, obviously there's always a lot of, you know, around financial things. There's always a lot of uh, controls and so on, which, which makes a of lot course. of sense. Um, of course. So yeah. But no, that, that makes sense. And, and do you see it being an issue often? Like, have you seen many times where, you know, people have been burned by staff really either abusing or misusing things or? 
No, it's not, I mean, not common at all. There's always the occasional horror story that tends to get either blown out of proportion or is a true, a true horror story. I can't think of any off the top of my head, like in the last five years, I don't think I've heard any horror stories. Prior to that, there's some sticking in my head. I don't recall where they come from. And this is how infrequent it is. But what I want to hear much more of is, is managers keeping a, a tight control on their purse and struggling with, with letting go. That's much more common. I can, I can name five people off the top of my head who still do that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, I'll say I've also made a mistake once in a while myself, right? So mm-hmm. I've had, like, obviously we pay staff in many different currencies and so on. And I've had one time where I sent $50,000 to someone instead of 50,000 peso. Which is about that's an uh, easy mistake to make that one, yes. Which, which is about 50 times the amount. Um, now again, I was very lucky to have good staff, and uh, the staff actually, re- I think he actually rejected the payment or he sent it back straight away or something. And he nice. like messaged me and said, like, Oh, what's up here? Um, but yeah, I mean, you reality is someone could that's right, and that's and that's where the likes of Wise is great too. I've almost made the same mistake, in fact, using those exact same dollar dollars dollars to pesos the um there's a couple more things you can do with that and one of the things is i recommend is if you have like a wise or even just a bank account and you have someone who has left the business or you no longer pay take them off the list so you don't accidentally pay them in the future current staff are usually more trustworthy or or more reliable than people you've had to let go or have left of their own choosing so i do recommend taking those names off but also with wise you only have the currencies that you actually use on a regular basis and another thing you can do is have like different accounts. If you're really worried about that sort of stuff, particularly with, with staff, is you can have a separate WISE account and only have a smaller amount of money in there, you know, $1,000, $5,000, if they have access to that. And then that way the worst, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you lose five grand and you keep the money in a separate account that only you have access to. Yeah, I mean, there's many options. And I see, I've seen a lot with PayPal particularly. So in the in the world of SEO, where I operate quite a bit, uh, lots and lots of people are, are using uh, like PayPal payments all the time. So they're paying okay. for, sometimes they're paying for links or sometimes they're paying for like some content or something like that, right? So they often, they've often struggled with that sort of, uh, basically giving like PayPal access and so on. So I've, I've done it a few different ways over time. So sometimes I've actually, um, I've gotten like a virtual credit card um, and I've, mm-hmm. I've given the person basically access to create their own PayPal. So they had full access to it and so on. Uh, but then exactly as you say, like they, they were basically documenting every spend they had. Um, and again, that that's worked for me. Um, there is also- That's, actually, that's a great idea actually. Yeah, so I mean, the, the problem is a lot of time business owners kind of like, yeah, but you know, then I can't go in and see what's happening and so on. But again, like you, you can see all the money coming out of the, the account and you can see their reports for what they've spent it for. So, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where I go back to starting small, right? You start small and let people build up their trust. And then as you trust them more and more and they prove more and more viable, then you make the amounts bigger. Yeah. And so it's really, it's really a staged approach. You don't want to give someone full access to your bank account on day one, particularly a VA. That's that's a common question because VAs are often acting on your behalf as you. And you want to once again, you want to start small with them. And this, you may not give them financial access for the first month. You might just give them tasks to see how they perform the tasks and how reliably they perform them before you start giving them any financial access. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. virtual credit cards, as you said, virtual credit cards linked to PayPal. I like that one. I don't like PayPal at all. 
but I can see if you use it, linking a virtual credit card to that with a defined limit, or a separate WISE account with a virtual credit card again, or a virtual credit card direct, or any other method of payment, but with a limited amount of funds. Yep. Or even if you want to only have a personal credit, uh, sorry, a, a small credit card for your business, you can have a second one with, you know, you only put on a certain amount or put on like a, a smaller limit. You can, like with credit cards, you can cap the daily limits and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and exactly. I mean, the, I, I think most people, uh, trust builds trust, right? So when you when you give someone trust, they show you over time that, you know, they're trustworthy and they're not running away with your business and so on. And Absolutely. Generally, yeah. generally it becomes so much easier to trust them. Uh, and I think most people, when, when they first get over that initial hurdle, that's often super helpful, right? And that usually gets them to a good stage. So. Absolutely. And I think the initial hurdle is often the hardest one. It's the, it's the first step. Yeah. And that's, and that's where the virtual credit cards with a defined limit or other things we talked about is a really good step. It's just yeah. it's peace of mind. It limits your exposure to whatever your, your daily cap or your monthly cap is on the credit card. Yeah. Now, uh, I've actually had a, a not super great experience with a staff member that had access to money. Uh, okay, so I wanted to just just talk a little bit about that. Uh, but basically, I had a staff member at one point that was uh, doing certain things and had access to a fair chunk of cash and uh, had a family friend and problems or like significant health conditions. Um, yes. And unfortunately, the staff member chose to uh, spend some money in a different place than it was intended to, to put it politely. All right, that's not good. And uh, yeah, that was obviously not uh, that was not part of the plan. But uh, actually, the the staff member uh, like it took me a while before I realized because it wasn't actually onto the the place that was supposed to get paid. Started right, okay. chasing up that I actually oh, realized I the payment hadn't been made. Um, and uh, I mean, ultimately, the staff member came clean and ended up paying back the money and so on uh, over, a, okay. over, over a period of time. But uh, obviously uh, that that was obviously a bit difficult from a trust perspective. Um, Absolutely. And that's a totally a not ideal situation, but how, like how many of those situations have you had over the course of your business career? That's the only one. Ever. That's the only one. So that's, that's a perfect example. Like in a many, many years, you've had one example. And while it was a breach of trust, you actually got the money back in the end. It wasn't yeah. a total a total breach. No, no, definitely not. But yeah. but definitely from a trust perspective, it's obviously it's not oh, a nice experience. But but not, yeah. not at all. And it's yeah, that's not that's not a good experience at all. Yeah. As I always say, most people well, people don't wake up and want to be bad people, right? So usually when people do things that are either unethical or whatever, it's there's usually a, a reason behind it, right? So again, as long as you communicate yeah, well with people, then yeah. And like the thing is, particularly the finances and that sort of thing, there's all these horror stories out there, and they they do the rounds and they're they're blown up out of proportion. They've multiplied, and bad news tends to stick, whereas good news doesn't. Sure. So you know, you're gonna have a hundred good experiences and maybe have one bad one, or more likely, you're gonna have a thousand good experiences and one bad one. Yeah. But so, you know, I'd encourage all the business owners not to get put off. Like you know, you hire the staff to get out of the business, you delegate that responsibility, and part of that is financial responsibility as well. It's just a case of letting go in a, in a structured manner. Totally. So trust, trust but verify, as we said before. Yeah. 
Right. So the other thing is, uh, I guess, around operations. And I mean, you, you've been very much in operation for, for quite a while, right? So uh, yes, yes. many, many small business owners are looking at a few aspects around operations. So one is, you know, when's the right time to hire an operations manager? Um, and, I, and the second question I often get a lot that's very related to it is, you know, do you promote from within or do you always hire from the outside? So what's your thoughts on those? Both, both good questions there, Mads. Going to the first one first, the when do you hire? I typically say you don't want to even think about hiring an ops manager until you have around about six staff. There can be exceptions. If you're an e-commerce business, a high turnover, low staff business, then that you might want to hire an ops manager early. Essentially, it's when you start having systems in place, um, you're doing repeatable processes, you have at least a couple of team members, and you have some money coming in. And that money might only be, let's say, half a million dollars um, coming in. If you're, a, if you're a service business, if you're an e-commerce business, that might be a little bit less in terms of uh, income. It's, it's sort of when, when you need some help that a VA is not capable of giving, essentially, or existing team. And the reason I say a lot of times around six people, six, six staff members, is that that sort of is a good number to manage for one person. And after that, it just gets a bit harder to run a business and manage, manage that amount of staff at one time. And ops manager can really take some of the, that burden off you. Yeah, that, may, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, I normally recommend that as a business owner, five to six staff is really the maximum you should have reporting directly to you, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'd also say, like, yeah, absolutely. And it depends on the on the nature of the business as well. Sure. Like some businesses, you know, agencies, for example, that have a lot of staff, like it's a staff-based business, then you might have a few more staff, but you're going to be employing managers, staff managers or team leads before that. You might even have, say, 10 or 12 staff and one or two team leads already. And then you might have an office manager on top of that to actually manage the business. So office manager can manage staff or they can manage the back end or some combination of that. And like they can manage VAs as well, or the VA can even keep an oversight of an office manager. Yeah. We're going to your yeah. second question there. Oh, sorry. Yep. No, go ahead. Go ahead. To get to the second question, that's 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 a tricky one. And I want to say it depends. That's entirely a cop out. But if you have good people in your business who who like operations, who are good at it, absolutely promote from within for that. But if you're a a business that is full of, for example, marketers or your, you know, ads experts, then they probably are not necessarily good ops managers. So it, it is a tricky call. Um, there's nothing wrong with hiring from outside and there's nothing wrong from hiring within as long as the people within have good resources. So I'm going to say it goes to the quality of the people you have already with respect to an operations ability. So good stuff. You know, I came from an engineering background originally and we always used to say engineers made terrible managers. So you'd never promote an engineer, for example, to a team manager unless you had to because they, that wasn't their skill set as a rule of thumb. And a lot of businesses tend to get blinded by that as well. Some business owners, they think their staff is great and often are great at the job. It doesn't mean they're great at a new job. So that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. One of my key philosophies is that if people have the capability of learning to become great at something, they can generally learn to become great at management as well. But obviously, it takes time. So it's not uh, my, my philosophy is that people are not just because someone is a good sales guy doesn't make them a good manager right out of the gate. But fundamentally, they um, they, they they have the capability to learn. Like if they can teach themselves, or you know, 
work with themselves enough to become a top sales guy, they can also work with themselves to get themselves to a good level of performance from being, for example, an ops manager, right? So I, I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, I mean, what I would say is that operation, oh, sorry, management and sales are both people-driven businesses. So, so the salesperson has a has a leg up already because he's already a hopefully a people people person. Whereas operations, I mean, operations are more detailed typically. So you want someone who who has a detailed bent. And but I entirely agree if they have shown the capability to learn, and they have an interest as well, then yeah. then it's perfectly okay to to train someone up. But as you said, it takes time. So it goes to the business owner then to how much time do you want to spend training up the ops manager, and also how much money. This goes back to the first one as well. Like when do you hire? It's how much money do you have spare? And like anything, you can hire a, a budget ops manager or hire someone promote from within very cheaply, but that's going to take more time of the business owner to train them up and more oversight. Whereas someone who's much more senior and probably more expensive is going to take less. So those are two, two challenges as well. Definitely. I, I think just around that one as well, I think I... It, my, my focus is always trying to grow people early on. I think the one of the biggest challenges that I see is when people don't delegate and don't grow people early, then yes. often there's not people ready to move into, uh, ready to get promoted as much. So I think a, a lot of the, a lot of my focus, at least uh, both when I'm building my, my own businesses, but also working with other teams is mm-hmm. consistently try and ensure that, you know, they have a solid process for developing their staff because it just makes such a big difference if you actually develop the staff well in terms of uh, the future of your own business, right? Because if you develop them well, if you make them ready for growth, then you also make it much easier for yourself to to promote, not just from within, but but really hire great people in general. Right? Absolutely. I think that you just talked to a much bigger issue there. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of yeah, both prom- promoting with from within and also the uh, financial delegation and financial delegation is only one small part and that is as you said it's building trust but it's also developing your staff yeah. so the same approach you just mentioned applies to every aspect whether it's operations or financial delegation or or hard skills or or marketing or sales yeah and i think so, i think fun- fundamentally when you when you look at it right like a lot of the time there's definitely a struggle with delegation, but I think also it's just a focus of it. Like a lot of the time, business owners there, that there's always plenty of stuff to do, and and developing your staff is often not number one on the agenda. So it's often to get overlooked. Yeah. But but if you actually do invest your some time and effort into it, it just makes your future growth significantly easier. Right? Absolutely, and I liken this to parents with children. You know, it's when, when a child is very young and you want to teach them to use, do the dishes, for example, it's much faster to do the dishes yourself. It takes many months and many tears to teach a child how to do something properly. But once they're done, you can go do the dishes and they'll head off and do them. And that's that's it. That's payback. And business owners are just the same. Developing staff and skills is a long-term payback. So in the longer term, it's much more, you know, it's, very, it's a very wise use of time and resources to develop staff. Whereas in the short term, it's frustratingly hard or can be hard. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, and for me, like one of the big things is always, I mean, early on, it's often not as much of an issue, but I think later on in the process, hiring particular senior staff from the outside 
have a lot more uncertainty, right? So the thing is, when you hire an, an external person that comes in and so on, uh, you know, they often they often come in with their own ideas and visions and yeah, stuff. Yeah, ideas, absolutely. Which is, which is great. But at the same time, the risk of failure uh, and the risk of significant cost to a business also increases with that, right? So if you hire an operations manager to manage a big, big business or a big part of the business, if things really fail, it can go very, very wrong, right? Whereas typically when you recruit yeah. from within, you have a much better feel and a much better understanding for what you will get. Um, so, yeah. You absolutely do. And particularly with the smaller teams, like the first office manager with say six staff, then the office manager from the outside represents one seventh of your entire team and with much more power. So he probably represents half the power in the business or maybe maybe a third of the power. So yes, you need to make sure that's the right choice, that the, the office manager is the right fit. Otherwise, yeah, hire from within. Of course, Don't. the downside of hiring from within is you need to replace that person who you've, whatever role you've hired from or promoted from, they need to be replaced. But maybe that's easier as well. Typically, as if you build good systems, uh, replacing someone further down the chain should generally be easier. Yes. But, uh, Absolutely, particularly if you have a consistent business where you have five or six or 10 people doing a similar role, then you should have good systems in place. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So an office manager, that's the other hard thing, office manager is like, it's a different hire for most businesses for the first time around. So it can be a bit harder to find someone I mean, there are there are businesses that you know basically encourage sorry the businesses that they focus on hiring office managers for other businesses so they can be useful as well but once again at a cost how how do you generally recommend people go around finding a good office manager the first thing i'd say is ask your ask your circle whatever circle you're in business circle ask them because a lot of office managers are good at different stages of the business and if you're just starting out there's oftentimes a business owner that you'll know, or you know, someone who knows someone, that they are moving on. They, they're getting a business, their business is growing, and they want to they want to like a larger scale office manager who has different skill set, and they will recommend, or they have a spare. They like they may have just got recently got rid of their office manager, or the office manager has left looking for a new opportunity, and so that can, that's the first protocol. Ask around. The second protocol, I would say, if you want to do the work yourself, is jobs boards. It's you know, if you want a remote job, a remote ops manager, then look for remote ones. If remote jobs boards, of which there are at least a dozen. Um, and once again, the bit your business community that you're in might already have some sort of jobs board. Or if you don't do this yourself, is hire a third party service to do it for you. And they can help you, you know, recommend like the sort of people you want to hire from, the sort of pool you want to hire from, and maybe some skill sets. And they have obviously a base already. The other thing I was going to say is um, it's time zones as well, particularly if you're hiring remotely, then you want someone who's obviously on your time zone or similar to your time zone or, or your customer's time zone and not across the world. So don't always chase the cheapest person would be my suggestion. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. What, um, what, what are the sort of key things to look for? Like how do you figure out to find the right profile and so on? How do you go about doing that? That's a tricky one, and I guess this is a question that applies to every hire you make. For office managers in particular, I suggest you want someone who is detail-focused. Not necessarily overly detailed, but like they pay attention to details. They have some management, uh, some staff management experience. Um, or is, you know, once again, if you want to train them up from scratch, is find someone who's, who's dead keen to learn. 
Enthusiasm is a good one. Cultural fit, I think, is very important for an ops manager because often an ops manager becomes the number two person in the business. And so you need to get on well with them. And it's also someone who said, well, like, cultural fit's important. It's someone who made, or who's not afraid to challenge you as a business owner. So they said the ops manager often is number two and you want your number two to be able to question you and like, is it, are you sure about this? You know, have you, what, have you thought about this? So I like, I like Eastern Europeans for that, um, as it compared to say Filipinos, as like a cultural thing for ops managers. Um, Eastern Europeans tend to be very direct. Um, Americans obviously very similar. West, Western cultures are very similar to that. Yeah. So that yeah, I think that's, those are the main ones. And then the other thing, and this is, I'm sure you've discovered, you've covered this numerous times before, is that I recommend a test task, just like any other role. So ops managers is worth putting together a test task and having you know the, the the short list of maybe three people doing the same task for you and giving them some leeway with cost so for a, more, a lower level position you might say i want you to do this in two hours or spend two hours doing this one task an ops manager you might say spend up to x hours doing this task and tell me how many hours it took you and that can help you just gauge you know by you know whether they're going to be responsible or someone if you give someone up to 10 hours and they take 10 hours exactly you're going to go, hang on a minute, did they just get to take 10 hours because I gave it to them? But if you give someone 10 hours and say up to 10, and they spent eight, and they say, I spent doing X, Y, and Z, that's a much better indication that that person's a better fit for you because they took the amount of time required to do the work as opposed to filling the work to the hours allocated. I like that. I like that. Excellent. Right. Um, so next, I guess, so, so lots of operations manager info and so on what what uh, what is typically the next roles that you look to hire for so you you said around six people or so you you look at an operations manager what are sort of the, the next levels of managers that you typically recommend people to look for that's an interesting one mads and i don't have a fixed suggestion like a lot of that depends on the type of business mm-hmm. yeah so I mean, often a VA is the first person you hire and then whatever your business is about, you hire people to support the running of that business, whether it's agency reps or e-commerce people or staffing recruiters, whatever the business is. I think what, what happens next, though, typically with office manager in place is that you try as business owner to offload a lot of the day-to-day running onto them, which frees you to grow the business. So a lot of times the next hire is actually, it's just someone you already have. It's just repeating some roles as the business scales up. So I want to say after the office manager is hiring more of the same people you already have to grow and then hiring potentially a manager, a team, a team lead or a staff manager to manage those people. Cool. But I don't have a, a particular role I recommend. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, Andy. So um, any any sort of fantastic resources or what, what do you generally recommend for people to to get into either reading materials or courses or anything so we've discussed this before i, I quite like the eos traction uh, book yep. it's it's the book itself is a fairly easy read um, a lot of businesses can pick one part of that like the book talks about the six six different pillars they talk about which covers the whole business as staffing and systems and and reporting and management. I suggest it's that's a great book and there's many there's other ones that is very similar, but start reading the book and say, well, where's my business short? Where do we fall down? And what I actually suggest is that people don't jump into the systems straight away. A lot of the times 
the thing that businesses need to do, business owners need to do, is to step back and actually revisit their vision or, it's their, or their reporting structure. And this is particularly important with an ops manager is you want a proper reporting structure in place and like regular meetings, staff meetings with, a, with an agenda, with a schedule, and then and tracking that from, from above. So that's, that's my favorite. I, I, I'm biased. I support that system. There are other similar ones. And like, to be honest, it doesn't matter what the system is called. Like you, you read the book, you, you maybe take a course, it's pulling out what you need for your business. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, good to have you on the podcast. Uh, that's been an interesting conversation. And, uh, yes, and I hope yeah. this has been useful to, to some of the listeners out there. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. So uh, if people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do that? The best way to do is visit my website, andrewventure.com, or my, my systems website, which is taitua.com, T-A-I-T-U-A. And that's, that's a quirky word. The, the pronunciation is taitua. It's a New Zealand Maori word. It means the far side of a hard place, which I think a lot of business owners can relate to you. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So if any of listeners want to reach out, look at me there, book a free discovery call with me. Happy to talk about some things and, and see what, you know, try and give some advice on the first call. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. That was uh, awesome talking with you. And, uh, have a great day. Thanks. Thanks again, Mads. Appreciate it. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.